Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing <laughs> discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got you can get it ground you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own they've got all of the options uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time I don't remember exactly what it is but I think they express post everything so hopefully quickly perfect Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sarah and Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Oh my God, that voice fucking gets me every time. I wish we could just turn that off. There probably is a way to turn it off. I don't know how to turn it off, but it pisses me off every time too. Because normally I press it in, a, in one of my mentoring calls when... Um, when someone's talking, like I have to press record at some point and I can't be like, everyone shut up. Recording in progress. Yeah. I'm just looking at the Zoom settings and I can't see a a setting that you can turn off to uh, like turn that voice off. Anyway, it's probably not the best podcast content. No, but fuck it annoys me because I often, I use Zoom for coaching feedback Mm. Uh, and so I'll like open it up, start recording, start talking, and then be halfway through a sentence and just pull a weird face because I forgot that it was coming. Cause it doesn't happen immediately. Like my zoom thing's set up to just start recording immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm so used to just opening it, it recording and then me being shocked by that crazy robotic woman. Mm. Just yes, playing with a screwdriver, like some sort of weird prison shank. Oh, I always forget. Um, on video. <laughs> no like the the fiddle things on my desk sort of rotate around and at the moment I, I don't even know where this came from i just ended up with a screwdriver on my desk and it's become the new fiddle thing so yeah right generally Excellent. it's two screws and a, and a key but everyone was complaining that it was too loud so then i switched to this bolt um and I've also i'm making got, i'm making a very concerted effort not to make this little infinity cube really loud 
because you can like if you play with it too much you can hear it yeah that's what i mean like my key would always just be rattling in the background yeah so i do this like super slowly (laughs) because then it doesn't make any sound (laughs) how is burley land yeah pretty good man uh had a novice comp on the weekend that went really well uh we had something like 45 lifters i want to say uh and it all went off pretty much without a hitch and was just a really cool group of people you know Mm. like you go to a comp and sometimes the vibe's just a bit off uh that was not the case on the weekend everyone was super stoked uh lots of just like really happy stoked to be there novices which is always great um we didn't get any of the people taking powerlifting perhaps a little too seriously that you know sometimes comes with like sanctioned comps and and some other stuff like that so yeah really good day um we had fuck i want to say like 12 or 13 lifters compete i think uh and everyone did pretty well a couple of you know dumb rookie mistakes but that's what novice comps are about (laughs) um and yeah overall just a really good day yeah awesome so yeah life is life is pretty good how's things up north at fucking fourth gym you maniac yeah 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 so we announced that uh last night opening a fourth gym in brisbane just north of the city um stenzel's jumping on board with with this one so he's he's coming in a partnership with daniel and myself to open this uh fourth one and one of my one of my boys from down the gold coast here jamie he's going to be the manager there which is going to be really cool he's um yeah, sweet. doing the coach development and he's a he's a good egg Great. Uh, very good at um he, he does a lot of like uh, sports performance sort of stuff so he's got that now he's cool. got the powerlifting stuff stuff up his sleeve so he, he's a bit of a weapon yeah um, nice so yeah that, that's that's cool no idea when we're actually going to open um like we've actually started buying the equipment which is why the announcement came but uh, don't don't have a date just because you can't plan a date around equipment that you don't know when it's going to arrive you know no no not at so, all we'll see we'll see what happens everyone's like open one in melbourne open one in sydney i'm like i'm not, I'm not yeah it's not coming and if i open one in melbourne it's like okay let's make the announcement and then just say straight afterwards by the way we're closed for the first year because of fucking yeah. covid so yeah exactly uh is stenzel going to move his clinic into the gym or is that just still going to remain as a separate thing yeah no it's it's separate for the time being so this is completely separate from axiom yeah it's just coming in and, and as a business partner and um, yeah cool yeah uh, we'll, we'll probably be in a similar area to, to where Matt is. So Matt's in an area called Albion and, and Brisbane. We'll probably be looking around that sort of area for the gym, but really just comes down to uh, a time frame of when we're going to open and what's available for, for lease in those sort of surrounding suburbs to determine where we're going to go. Yeah, cool. Um, on, uh, on the weekend, I was down in, uh, down in Sydney, gave an APL referees workshop and then helped the referee and run the comp out at... Um, out at PTC MacArthur, that was their APL New South Wales States, but it was really cool. I got to meet a whole bunch of people who listen to the podcast. So thanks for everyone for, thanks to everyone for coming up and saying hi and giving us positive feedback. It's really cool to continue to hear people uh, listening and, and value the content that we put out there. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and as I've said several times, sometimes I forget that people listen to this. Like <laughs> I've, I forget that after we finish recording it, things happen and then it gets posted on the internet for people to, to actually listen to. So yeah, it's really cool to, to hear all of that feedback. And Yeah, for sure. So th- there was a few people that came up and, and said hi. Um, one, of, one of your lifters was there, Lynn Gross. She, was uh, yeah, yeah. she helped referee the comp. Um, and the whole crew from uh, Lift 3 Performance, which is a, a, a gym on the central coast, they just moved to a, 
massive location like huge um their gym is awesome if you're on the central coast go check out lift three uh good people good crew and amazing gym mad (sighs) cool but otherwise life is just the same work yep that's that's pretty much how it goes (laughs) i get to see sam this weekend media teams coming up to queensland excellent he keeps buying like 12 extra cameras yeah i mean if you can why not why not you gotta have a camera for every opportunity exactly all right powerlifting stuff shit yes about that so you're for the first time in i'm gonna call it six months but i reckon that's a conservative estimate you're actually coming up with the topic today yeah let's say the first time ever it's not the first time ever you've definitely come up with topics before mostly it's you come on real salty about something and want to whinge about it for 45 minutes i've got plenty Um, of that so many people didn't believe uh or or want to see the evidence of my uh my little on a plane dig at um, a certain federation um so i'm going to post screenshots of the emails that i've gotten uh or that i have been sent that were about me so people can see the kind of stuff that's that's said uh powerlifting behind the scenes um it's gonna be great i'm excited Uh, having heard you read some of those um i think people people in the know will be like oh yeah that's about right (laughs) and people who are not in the know will be like what the fuck (laughs) i mean it doesn't mean anything it's all just fucking bullshit but whatever yeah It's, it's interesting it's nice to have your eyes open to just what a bag of raging cunts some people are. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty accurate description. Let's it be is. honest. It is. Anyway, where were we? You bringing up a topic for the first time ever. Yeah, I wanted to uh, I wanted to revisit some stuff around programming. Like we've, we've spoken about programming modalities, you know, RPE in percentage before. Um I remember the conversation we had. It was like one of our first episodes. It might have been like in the teens, you know, or maybe even earlier than that. Woofed. Throwback. It was within the first 20 anyway. We had this discussion on RPM percentage. And I remember back then, um, I think I just started doing mentoring stuff, uh, like mentoring people. When I used to present on programming modalities, I came at it talking about my experience rather than presenting the facts and i think i reflected that pretty strongly in our podcast episode and i think you probably did as well in terms of yeah. your experience and i think since then we've, we've both learned and learned and grown a lot and it's a cool uh, subject to revisit because it doesn't change from a um like it doesn't change in terms of we're still programming and yeah. you're, you're still programming as a lifter you're still following a program or writing your own program so yeah it's always good to just touch up on uh, information around programming and uh, hopefully we can provide some practical insights into this whole uh rpe percentage progressive overload stuff so with that in mind what do you think like uh, have you changed significantly your views on things since then or have you drastically altered the way in which you use one or t'other or um are you basically just doing the same thing but you're better at it now so that's an interesting question i've definitely changed my views i've definitely changed my views in not just programming but basically everything to be far more in the middle yeah far less extreme left or right right yeah um how I actually program has changed in the last two years, but significantly less so than my mindset around programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so my programming style is extremely narrow. If you watch my lifters, if you watch my training, if you follow everyone, you should see a very, very, very narrow 
uh, selection of exercises, performance of exercises, selections of volumes, everything like that. And there's a, a good reason for that narrow approach, which is like lots of different approaches over the years have helped me, um, you know, collect data on what I feel works best for a given individual that fits a particular archetype with a particular goal. Um, and I think r with without most coaches admitting this, that's how most people program. They use yep. a very, very similar approach across the board. It's just people have this weird visceral reaction to the notion of templates. Yes. Uh, and, you know, like a every coach you've ever met is using templates. And if they're not, they're lying to you. Yeah. And it, like it, it's just like you, you hear the word template and you think of, oh, excel uh, spreadsheet that you plug in three numbers and away you go. A template is a framework. So a template can be a way of thinking. Every yep. every coach templates their technique. They look at a squat and they're like, that doesn't fit my template, my yep. skeleton of what technique should be. I'm going to change your technique. Same thing with programming. The, the coaches that don't use a technique that spits out numbers or spits out a framework for them or has it pre-written out will write out the same template 20 times for their individual lifters because they have a framework in their head of how programming works. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we do all use templates and um, I don't even know how this template thing came up. What, are, what were we saying? Your changes in, in programming, you come from a relatively narrow band. Narrow approach, yeah. yeah. I, I, the, the big change for me that's happened in the programming, besides refining and adding different style blocks and, and maybe different accessory exercises and uh, just small things, the major change that's happened is uh, previously, I didn't incorporate RPE very much. Now I incorporate RPE a little bit more, especially at top end training. So high end strength percentages and peaking. I'll yep. incorporate a combination of RPE and programmed ranges rather than fixed numbers with guided auto regulation, just to take a little bit more of the onus away from the lifter and um, uh, put a bit more control in, in, the, in the whole process. Um, but really, uh, outside of that, it hasn't changed a great deal. And the reason that change came about is basically my realization that it doesn't matter what you are doing when you lift. Every single lift has an RPE and every single lift is a percentage of something. Those two yes. things exist whether you want them or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's my experience very much mirrors yours in that I was much more rigidly adhered to the idea of like, this is the percentage. It doesn't matter how hard it is. You've just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And then recognizing like you that actually being able to incorporate a subjective measure for that also makes, I think for me, the, the biggest transition is that it makes uh, describing the intent that we're looking for in different phases of training uh much easier so mm. i'm uh, coaching a new guy at the moment who has like uh competed in i want to say ifbb uh something like that went like done pretty well on the junior stage in that uh the bodybuilding realm and is now keen to pursue powerlifting for a little while and for him the discussion around the idea that like week one of a training block should be pretty easy like he came in yesterday after his first coaching uh, first like programmed training session I was like oh that was pretty easy mm. like yeah that like that kind of is the idea that's why these rpes are like this and, and we had a whole in-depth discussion then about like you know uh, progressive overload about how the training block works about how multiple blocks put together work about how volume landmarks and those sort of things work and how that every training session doesn't need to be on that red line because if it is you just can't hold it there forever um, and using RPE in that context can be really useful. Hmm. But like most things, 
that are subjective and require experience and like essentially just self-collected data, he's going to need some time to figure out what that means. Because like, you know, one rep in the tank when you're pushing a set of 25 on the leg press to like true failure is very different to one rep in the tank for a heavy set of three squats where, you know, uh, failure is is technical breakdown or significant change to how you're doing things. Hmm. And so I think for me that, that's where RPA has become more prevalent in my programming is that it helps me describe the intent behind each training session or each individual exposure to the movement or or whatever the case may be uh, in a more effective and just more standardized way. Mm -hmm. You know, like just describing people to people that the first couple of weeks are going to be relatively easy and just doing it, giving them a number to hit and then it being really easy that sometimes created a bit of just uh, cognitive dissonance in their expectations of what training should be versus what it actually is in those first couple of weeks of a block uh and yeah having a like here's the measure wait like we've got a poster on the wall at the gym of like that flow chart of what each rpe means and the and the descriptors we use for that because we use it so regularly in in almost all aspects of what we're doing um yeah, it's been a really useful tool. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, a big thing with RPE, because a, a lot of people will, that are uh, percentage zealots will play that card in terms of like, oh, it requires experience. Uh, it, um, it It's subjective and all this sort of stuff. It's like you get the same issues with percentage-based training. Like yes. Yeah. It still requires a level of experience to be able to rationalize what happens when you're unable to hit your percentage and then auto-regulate because of it. It's exactly the same thing. It's just got a different label on it. Um, and the the thing with experience is like, you know, it's it's similar to uni grads being like, oh, every job wants someone with experience and I don't have experience. The only way to get experience is by getting experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like if we've got the unique opportunity here to not say, hey, if you want to use RPE, you need the experience of it, to, but to garner that experience by guiding them through it. Like yeah. the the annoying thing that people say about RPE is like, oh, it's a subjective measure. It's like rating how training feels. Yeah, it is a subjective measure. The whole point of the RPE scale is to add objectivity to subjectivity. So you can yes. speak the la- same language as your coach or as whoever's watching or, you know, have that objective third party kind of thing. Um, there's so much uh, in terms of, uh, usability with with uh, RP. Now that that said, one of the things that uh, you know has really stopped me from incorporating it into my programming as an overall modality and sticking to percentages for like the base level strength training is the narrow approach that I have. But also the fact that I don't want my programming to be living on a week to week basis, but on yes. a block to block basis. Yes. Um. So like. I would rather project an entire block, take the data from that block to inform the next one rather than having that happen week to week to week to week. And that's not to say that week to week programming is altogether bad, but I think sometimes it's it's probably a bit of a uh, micro view of how the training process works too micro to the point where um, you think that micro level variability makes a big impact and it probably makes less of a big impact than it than it uh, should and at the same token by the same token if that uh, variability has to happen on a week-to-week basis that says to me that there's probably an error in the programming approach rather than the end user you know yeah for sure and that's where i sort of fall in in a very similar fashion with how i use a combination of rpe and, and percentages so i 
almost will will almost never give an a single number for an RPE. Like it's never like I want one set of three at eight. It's like eight, eight and a half, or eight to nine, or seven and a half to eight, or seven and a half to eight. Like there's always a window there because people are not perfect. You're not exactly going to be able to to hit that number for sure. You might take an educated guess and, and be wrong. You might take an educated guess and, and be way stronger today than you thought you were. Giving them a range, I think, again, helps communicate the idea that a little bit of undershooting or overshooting is okay. And that's where a combination of RPEs and percentages can be really useful. Because you and I you know, know what 85% for a set of five is going to feel like. We know what 90% feels like. Yeah, like we've just got enough data intrinsically, whether you have a, uh, ascribed RPEs to it in the past and like kept perfect data or not. Like, you know, if you want to go down the Mike Tashira route of having 28 million years worth of training data to build from, <laughs> you can go down that road. I'm not that good at spreadsheets. Um, and regardless of that you, we both have an intrinsic f- understanding of what each of those sort of markers within a percentage window feel like so we can auto regulate without calling it auto regulation necessarily based on where we are in a training block those sort of things you know like some of my best training cycles i've never written anything down i've been like this is when the comp is I'm like roughly this many weeks out, I should probably be able to do somewhere in this window and just kind of built on it intuitively over the course of a training block. Mm-hmm. With a more uh, set, not set in stone, that's the wrong description, but a more well thought out plan, having a bit of leeway either side helps lifters, I think, feel successful. You know, like you, there's an element of just going with an RPE that, sets people up for feeling like they've done something wrong by overshooting a little bit or by undershooting and feeling like they need to do a bit more work and not feeling like they're getting successful training out of it Mm. because it's it's a little too like despite being quite a fluid method if you will it's actually quite rigid when you say it's one set of three at eight and they hit one that's a nine they're like well the whole fucking thing's ruined well, no, but if you use it effectively, it can be really useful. And like you said, I I am a fan of taking the data from one block and using that to inform the decisions we make in the next block, which is what every good coach should be doing. And that for me is where something like tracking predicted daily max is really useful. Mm. So all of my training spreadsheets have uh, input data built into them so that it gives them a projected daily max each session for each movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we track that across a training block. And then generally I'll use an average of that barring any significant outliers. And the significant outliers are just a useful conversation starter more than anything else. Like, hey, this session in week three was like 5% lower and you predicted daily max than the week before or the week after. Like what happened in that week? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I didn't sleep that night. Like, you know, there's sometimes there's a, an explanation on that end sometimes there's an explanation on the other end i just felt really fucking good and i pushed hard and it was great Mm -hmm. and being able to look at those outliers just you know six numbers in a row if it's a six-week training block and be like all right cool well they're all within a few kilos of each other they're all a little bit higher than the last training max we used maybe we then use that to bump that training max up a little bit Mm. uh and that's where i found it to be really effective in being able to build in that continual progression across training blocks 
both a combination of like, yeah, the percentages and stuff are all sort of linearly or in a relatively linear fashion moving up because that's the process of going from more general to more specific training when it comes to powerlifting. Uh, but being able to manipulate those daily max or those training max numbers based on the daily max data has been a really useful tool I've found. And, um, and one that definitely takes a bit of practice to get right like if you just pick the biggest daily max number across the training block and use that as your training max sometimes you're going to be in for a bad time Mm -hmm. uh and i've definitely made that mistake and and overshot uh, had had lifters overshooting those first couple of weeks because we've pushed too hard from a training max standpoint Mm -hmm. and you know some people are really good at being or some people need to be held back, whereas other people need to be pushed forward a little bit. And and using that data to get a better understanding of how each of my lifters benefits from that. You yeah. know, some do really benefit very well from being held right back and then just opening the uh, opening the floodgates on comp day. And others need to be just like continually pushed and, and constantly pushing towards trying to get them to go harder and harder and harder. So mm-hmm. that's where I've found it to be really useful from a more long-term perspective. That's harder to get in the short term because you need data and you need an understanding of what that lift is doing in their life outside of training and those sort of things. Mm. And I think that's where inexperienced lifters can struggle with rpe only training Mm -hmm. because they don't always account for all of the factors that influence your rpe on any given training session outside of training Mm -hmm. but you know in that you are building in the experience you're building in like oh your projected daily max today was kind of lower than than before but you've articulated that this is the reason why that helps them yeah. understand that extenuating factors are going to impact their ability to train yeah. well, exactly. which might be one of the things that people miss out on when they're following more rigid sort of programming uh, structures. Um, what you were talking about there as well with that sort of idea of the predicted daily max or the floating daily max. I, if I were to write programs and the programs that I do write rarely with RPE are, are based on that. It's like, okay, we're going to use an RPE set to determine what your max is. And then from there, I'll program off a percentage of that. Yeah. Because like regardless of that top set of RPE, we have to remember what this is actually doing for us in terms of pro- providing a training uh, out excuse me, a training outcome outside of peaking a top set set of a single or a double isn't doing that much. No, um, you know, it is literally practice. So yeah, there's a little bit of skill. There's a little bit of exposure to, to higher intensities, you know, to, to keep you feeling like you're doing something, but really where the money is, is like the work that you do after that. So yeah. for me, I'm still going to rely on a percentage to drive that work. If you held a gun to my set and said, head and said, no, do it with an RPE, there's a couple of ways you can approach this. You could approach it in like a, a waving RPE structure where it's like first set is RPE 7, then 8, then 9 or 7, mm. 7.58 and, you know, build the RPE up in sort of a, a stepladder fashion. You could do an RPE cap, do, keep doing sets of five with a three-minute rest until you reach an RPE of this. That helps them yep. determine their own volume based on their own capacity. There's a number of ways you could do it and, and do it with a high degree of success and, and consistency. Um, and I think that's the important thing to note here is that Ultimately, regardless, percentage RPE combination of both, we're trying to drive a training outcome, which is progressive overload. And you can do both very well with either modality. Yes. Not that one is better than the other. For me personally, you know, I said my programming approach is rigid. I work mostly in percentages. The big question with percentage-based training is always percentage of what? 
Yes. And it's not necessarily percentage of previous one rep max. It's not necessarily previous uh, percentage of current one rep max. It's a it's about using a um, an input max that drives the best uh, training outcome. Numbers that are realistic, that can be repeated, that uh, approach the right intensity. Um, and that's why I like to be in control because no one knows how to drive my programming better than me. Yes. And so for the kind of people that I'm working with who have trust and faith in the way that I program, I don't need to yield that control. I don't need to give yeah. them that control. For a more intermediate or novice lifter, there's a huge amount of benefit in doing an RPE style program that gives them more control because they learn the process and what drives training a little bit more. Yeah, It, it really comes down to like, if you are coaching, how are you imparting information and knowledge through the programming to the lifter? Are you giving them enough to understand how to use it or, and from a lifter's perspective, it's really just about uh, a trust and your own educational experience as well. Yeah. And that's that's where I use it the most is in helping people to understand what real effort feels like and, mm. and be able to make better decisions around weight selection based on how they feel on any given day. Like you're essentially just providing them a framework for learning that without telling them that that's what you learn that you're trying to teach them mm. um i the other place i find rpe or a more pure approach to rpe really useful is in programming numbers for uh variation like variations on the main lifts if you've got a set of six pin squats i don't necessarily know what your one rep max pin squat is nor do i really give a shit what it is nor do i have an exact correlation for like okay well i expect you to pin squat 89.6 percent of your one rep max in sleeves i just have no interest in trying to find that ratio i have no desire because it i don't think it matters i think it's really useful early in a block to be able to say okay we're doing these sets of pin squats at this rpe and maybe this is the window of weight you're going to look at roughly but generally what i'll do is have the first couple of weeks be essentially the same prescription so you know maybe it's like three sets of six at call it a seven and a half eight rpe so like two to three reps in the tank uh and then use what they hit in that first couple of weeks to give a predicted daily max for that movement and then work a combination of RPEs mm -hmm. and percentages based on that from there because that then allows you to build the progression into it so you can uh, like promote them to push harder and harder across the training block. You can ramp the intensity up across the block, those sort of things, without having to have a database of rep uh, lift correlations that are incredibly arbitrary and basically useless mm -hmm. yeah so th this is a tricky one and really again just like with the main lift you can go both ways so a lot of the times these these variations that you're talking about you know pin squat in this example for me it's tempo stuff like the my main variation across the board is tempo stuff the temp the purpose of the tempo stuff is performance like the the yeah uh, the way that you perform this lift is all that matters to me i yes. want you to perform it well so on the one hand you go with an rpe that's dictated by your ability to perform well the hard thing with that is that most people ascribe success via weight on the bar yes and so their number one goal is to have more weight on the bar regardless of the performance and so you're always going to have this sort of back and forth around getting the performance right 
And then you've got this sort of other side of the coin that you're talking about where like, how the fuck do you work out this arbitrary ratio between main lift and tempo when there's all these other extenuating factors? Mm. They do their main lift and wraps, they do their tempo and sleeves, uh, yada, 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 you know? Then you've got the issue of like, do I just guess and then maybe undershoot or overshoot? You end up in the same spot anyway. Yeah. If it's wrong, if the performance is wrong or the weight's too heavy, you just adjust it. Yeah. Like it, it becomes so much less of a big deal uh, than people make it out to me. For me personally, again, I want to be in control. So I'm going to give the number and I'm going to adjust the number if the performance is not up to scratch because yeah. I don't want the person to feel like they are, you know, making progress and adding weight and achieving if it's garbage. Age, and yeah. then I'm just like, no, we're going to pull it back anyway. Then they yeah. feel like a failure. Yeah. It becomes so much less important as you go down the line. Like if I'm giving an, uh, a leg press for the specific performance, I'm going to attach an RPE to that because I'm just yeah. like, I don't care what the weight is. Yeah, it's so exactly. much easier to focus on the performance because there's so many less variables to get right. It's just like hold yeah. your hips like this and move it up and down. And that's where for me, being able to articulate the difference I talked about a couple of weeks ago between like an output exercise and a developmental exercise has yeah. been really useful. Like having a language that I can frame that conversation with has made my life significantly easier because I can very clearly state, at, and it's in the spreadsheet. Like if you want to look at it, you can see in my spreadsheets what I've categorized things. And it can be the same movement done at two different points in a week, but done under different intents mm can then help people to understand that difference that exactly what you're talking about where the the rate limiter that i'm looking at with this particular variation pin squats is a, a really good one tempo is really good all of those sort of things the the rate limiter should be the effective like the position you're effectively in through that range and your ability to execute it to a high standard the weight is just an arbitrarily arbitrary way to track the load that you're using right and that's where i find rpe to be really useful as long as you talk to people about that difference between true muscular failure and actual technical failure which is in this case far more important from that standpoint mm. yeah awesome i mean like we could keep going about this all day and i don't want to turn it into a complete programming guide for everyone uh, do you have anything that you wanted to add not particularly. The the thing you touched on before about uh, so I think RTS and and Mike T call it fatigue stops. Mm -hmm. uh, so where you would say like work up to a set of five at an RPE seven and a half, and then repeat that set until it becomes a nine RPE. Mm. I've had a lot of success with that in uh, like work capacity blocks mm -hmm. where that has shown people their their work capacity improving because they can have roughly the same weight three weeks in a row but end up getting two One or three set. extra sets across yeah. that that progression that's been a really useful tool but also to give people a little bit of variety and that's where i think sometimes people forget that these methods can be really useful just to like keep things interesting like mm. giving someone a, a a prescription like that set of five at seven and a half repeat until nine can be a really cool way for people like oh like i this is a fresh way to approach the five sets of five that i was doing anyway you know because yeah, most people most people are going to fall somewhere roughly in that window anyway yeah but basically you're just hiding it from them for so sure. they feel like it's this fresh new funky approach to training and like basically it's just you're too lazy to write five by five <laughs> at 75 percent, and instead you just do it that way so that's really fun and and good for assistance work stuff as well like the the more uh, ancillary 
isolation stuff can be really cool too because it's you know like three sets of 12 lap pull downs just gets a bit fucking boring yeah uh but if you can have ways to keep things fresh and interesting i think that can be a really useful coaching tool and something that people don't talk about enough like the the idea that like elements of training can be fun and novel and and not have a significant negative or perhaps positive effect on your training it can just be for the sake of like hey i I just want someone to think a bit differently about it not be in the same monotonous rut and that can be really useful Mm. absolutely Um, yeah it's 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 such a cool way to cool way to veil the monotony yeah your internet someone's internet went funky yeah it got real weird there for a second that's all right um good time to stop yes let's (laughs) let's leave it there thanks for listening (laughs) Tchau. <laughs>